In nature, a wildfire is one of the most devastating natural forces. It burns hot and fast and leaves little behind but ash and char. Or so it seems. Very soon after the fire passes through the forest, life returns. Shrubs and weeds that clog the forest floor have burned away, leaving space for new trees, grasses, and flowers to emerge and flourish. Habitats are created, bringing new insects, birds, reptiles, and mammals. A cancer diagnosis can feel like a wildfire, our bodies becoming this new, fire-clarified landscape. For some, cancer changes utterly everything. For others, cancer brings greater clarity and purpose. And some of us are still searching for what life after a cancer diagnosis will look like. Welcome to The Burn. We are exploring stories of life and transformation following a breast cancer diagnosis. I'm April Stearns, the founder and editor of Wildfire Magazine and the host of this podcast. Before we dive into today's story and storyteller, I want to give a quick shout out to the latest issue of Wildfire. We have just launched the seventh annual body issue with guest editor Dana Donofre of Ana Ono Intimates. I tend to think of this theme as our flagship. It's always gorgeous. It's always going to unexpected places of vulnerability and beauty. It's very wildfire. So be sure to grab a copy. We will always have digital copies available, but the print copies sell out fast. So head to wildfirecommunity.org to grab yours. On to today's story. Today we're going to hear a piece about enduring the incurable, about flipping the impossible to the possible. My guest today is Diana Keene. She was diagnosed at 36 with inflammatory breast cancer that was staged at stage four from the get-go, also known as de novo. In 2020, Di founded Roots and Wings Charitable Foundation to advocate and support the needs of metastatic breast cancer patients, particularly under-resourced patients. Roots and Wings' mission is to provide complementary integrative wellness care for MBC patients. To date, they've already served thousands of patients. I've known Di for a few years now, and I can tell you she strives to be an impactful and supporting mother, wife, daughter, sister, auntie, friend, and community member. She's a lifelong student, especially when learning to embrace all the imperfections and lessons that come with living with cancer, parenting, running a nonprofit, and more. She is a nature lover, a plant hoarder, and an explorer of life behind a camera lens. Di will tell you she suffers from constant wanderlust and finds peace and joy at the water's edge. Her soul fills with music, architecture, and design, and a really good hug. She believes wholeheartedly that what can't be cured must be endured by supporting her mind, body, and soul with integrative oncology wellness. Hey, Di, welcome to The Burn. Hi, April. That was amazing. Thank you so much for such a lovely introduction. Well, thank you for being here. I'm so excited for our story and chat today. Me too. All right, so you are here to read a piece that you wrote called Impossible. This was in our seventh annual NBC issue, which we titled Legacy Stories. You were our cover model, our guest editor extraordinaire for that issue. So after you read, we will chat. Those of you listening, stay tuned to the very end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. All right, Di, I'll let you take it away. Great, thank you, April. From Impossible to Possible. 
Today, after walking my daughter to school on a crisp and bright September morning, I meandered through the village streets with one destination in mind. The beach greets me with a breeze off Lake Michigan that carries autumn's approach. The sand is still warm and the waves calmly lap in a meditative rhythm. This moment allows me to hold space and reflect on five years ago when living with inflammatory metastatic breast cancer, MBC, seemed impossible to endure. It was 2016, I was almost two years past initial treatment, and I felt blessed that my inflammatory MBC was stable. My family and I were living in Orange County, testing out this Midwesterner's dream of a warmer winter and possible relocation. Every day was a celebration of what the season could be filled with sunny days. Open air farmers markets, oceans waves with sea salt breezes and adventurous hikes. We would stay outside until the sunset sang a sweet lullaby calling us home before the next day's adventure. Regrettably, after only a few months, our next adventure will be retreating to my oncologist in Chicago. I didn't question the local doctors as they were aware of my diagnosis when they told me muffling hearing was simply a symptom of bad case of swimmer's ear. As more symptoms presented, so did the tough education that there is no simply with MBC. The symptoms were harbingers that my inflammatory MBC had launched an aggressive brain attack. Hearing this needs immediate attention catapulted me to the shock and fear experienced when I was blindsided in 2014 with inflammatory stage four de novo diagnosis and was rushed to treatment the same day. I was living healthier than ever before, but NBC didn't care. The reality that my brain was riddled with metastatic spread over a few weeks was incomprehensible. My only option for treatment based on IBC's boundaryless and aggressive tumor type was to have whole brain radiation. I couldn't fly safely back to Chicago for a few days as I needed a course of steroids to degrease the brain edema. It was too painful to stay in a place that at the time felt like a symbol of another lost dream to NBC. So I traveled north to a lifelong friend's home in LA. A few days later on a bright warm winter day, I found myself wandering through the streets of Marina del Rey with one destination in mind. It was an unfortunate time, but I was fortunate to be near the powerful Pacific Ocean. I hoped its waves would wash away the anger and fear and soothe my soul, perhaps help me find perspective and feel some hope that these were not my final days. A quirky window display caught my eye when I was just a block from the beach. It was full of new and reclaimed items, and I thought it might be an interesting place to find a memento for my daughters on my last day in California. A second glance at the window caused a sudden jolt. In front of me was a white tee with one word printed on the front. Impossible. I'm still unsure what came first, my awkward laughter at this serendipitous sign or the tears that welled, knowing I was facing precisely that, the impossible. It was such a simple item, yet it shattered the facade of strength I was wearing for others. I caught the eye of the salesperson through the glass. I must have looked a mess as they rushed out to see if I was okay. I blurted out a truth I hadn't spoken aloud. No, I wasn't okay. 
I have cancer in my brain, acknowledging to myself that I might not recover as I was already on borrowed time. When the salesperson knew of my connection to the tea, she gifted it to me. I clutched it in my hands until I reached the beach, allowed it to soak in every tear, tears filled with despair, acceptance, and eventually a few filled with the possibility of better days. Five years later, in 2021, I flew to LA and landed on an abnormally cold November day. I set off on a road trip with a sunny destination in mind, the shoreline of San Clemente in hopes of soothing any trauma left from 2016. I wanted to feel gratitude for the beautiful memories created before the chaos ensued. As I drove down south, an unexpected fog storm rolled in. I had barely arrived before it was too intense to continue. I stepped outside to walk to the ocean. The air was so heavy that water droplets were suspended with no room to land. The view was drenched in blues and warm grays which blurred the horizon and the water's edge. Waiting for the fog to lift, I walked the pier in solitude. The typical sounds of a bustling restaurant, walkers and joggers bouncing the wood planks in rhythm, and beach strollers, happy voices below were all absent. Yet, it wasn't silent. The ocean roared and waves beat against the pillar, filling the dense air with an ominous beat. When I reached the end, I looked down and saw a stunning glimpse of the beautiful blue turquoise water dancing with the pillar of seaweed below. Watching it flow amongst the stormy ocean memorized me. I felt myself letting go and allowing gratefulness that I was still here. The 2014 metastases were not impossible and not my last days. Just like the day it found me, I held the impossible tea in my hand. I could feel the worn out threads earned over five years of NBC trials and tribulations. Despite the freezing fog, I shed my warm layers to wear the tea one more time before I turned around to walk towards another unknown future. A few days before my flight to LA, I received a call that my brain metastases were back and needed immediate attention upon my return. Anger and fear will always be a part of the NBC journey. Yet, after confronting the darkest days of 2014, I flew home in 2021 filled with acceptance, peace, and perseverance. Thriving eight years with NBC has taught me many things, but most importantly, that impossible moments can be endured by renewing hope and believing that better days are indeed possible. Mm, that was so powerful, Di. Thank you so much for that. All right, we are going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we will chat and get into the story. Hi, friends. There is now a wildfire book in the world. It is a big, beautiful compilation of my favorite essays from Wildfire Magazine, spanning all the way back to our first ever issue in 2016, up to the summer of 2022. This book took years to create and is literally the resource I wish I had had when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. This book is called Igniting the Fire Within, and it's made up of 50 essays that really dig into the experience of having breast cancer in our 20s, 30s, and 40s. Every stage of breast cancer is represented from DCIS to stage four, from all sorts of walks of life from all around the world. 
our writers go deep and get vulnerable to heal their own experiences and to let others like you know that you're not alone. You will find yourself within these pages. Get Igniting the Fire Within, stories of healing, hope, and humor inside today's young breast cancer community on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle now. Curl up with it today. Hi, my name is Libby Riley. I live in Baldwin, Missouri. I was diagnosed with stage 1A invasive ductal carcinoma in July of 2020 when I was 51 years old. I was never a writer before I was diagnosed, but I started using journaling to keep my friends and family posted over the past two years. I also started to use it as an outlet for myself to express my emotions and process what I've been through. When I learned about Wildfire Magazine after my diagnosis, I was amazed by the contributors' pieces. I loved that it was a way for breast cancer patients, warriors, thrivers, previvors, and survivors to share their experiences and stories with the world. Listening to those contributors on the Burn podcast has also been very inspiring. I was a contributor to Wildfire twice before I decided to participate in April's six-week writing workshop. I do not regret my decision at all. It was an excellent way for me to meet others from the breast cancer community in a small and intimate space, but it also gave me a safe space to share my feelings without being worried about what I was saying or how I was saying it. It was so empowering to feel seen and heard knowing that the others in the workshop could relate on some level. I was amazed at some of the pieces I produced by simply listening to April share other written essays and poems with us and by using her writing prompts. The workshop helped me find my voice further and I know that it is essential for others to hear it. Thank you, April, The Burn Podcast and Wildfire Magazine for a great opportunity and a way for me to continue to share my story. Thank you so much for the love, Libby. All right. Welcome back, Di. I just want to thank you again for your truly powerful storytelling. So thank you again for writing it and reading it to us today. Thank you, April, for the opportunity. Absolutely. So I want to start at the end of your piece and we can kind of work our way back a little bit. But at the very end, you say thriving eight years with NBC has taught me many things. Most importantly, that impossible moments can be endured by renewing hope and believing that better days are indeed possible. And so I wonder if we can start there with this idea of how you have found it possible to renew hope and how you continue to believe in better days and how maybe that's a little different from when you were first diagnosed. That's a great question, April. Thank you. Um, I would say that after almost nine years now of living with NBC, I've learned that every year there's been a major health challenge put in front of me. And early on, I was lucky enough to come across integrative oncology that helps support my mind, body, and soul. Without that, I don't think I would have been able to bounce back and find hope and perseverance after every time there's a bump, as they say, in the journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and it's making me think, um, just as you're talking about how 
much a marathon it is, not just for your body, but for your mental health. I mean, and we know this, this is one of the big reasons that I wanted to start Wildfire so that we could talk about the whole body. But I love that this has become not only central to your own survivorship, but to the work that you do with Roots and Wings. And, um, and we'll definitely get into that. But I think that I just want to underscore how, how important it is that you have found that it's not a linear process and that, like you said, there are going to be, unfortunately, setbacks. And this is so incredibly true within the NBC community, but I know it's also true for those living with early stage as well, that it's not just, you know, you go down this mm -hmm. path and you come to the finish line and then it's smooth sailing from there on out. It's it's these little uh, twists and turns and it's making me picture that graphic where it's like a, this tangled ball of yarn, you know, on the floor and there's like all these little knots and it goes forward and backward and up and down. And in order to face that, you have to have some acceptance and you have to have some trust in, like you said, that better days are coming and, and you just need to get through today right here. Did, did I summarize that well? What do you think? I think you summarized it beautifully. Thank you. So lovely. I, it is, you have to be prepared for what the dark days hold and to believe that when you can't see the light, it's going to show up if you just get the support you need. Um, whether it be for your mind, body, soul, if you stay strong and you can rebuild, then you can see the perseverance and hope again and better days. Um, yeah. It doesn't mean that it's smooth sailing, like you said. You have to mm -hmm. um, keep renewing that belief with every time you get yeah. another bump because it's, like you said, it's not linear and it's not easy and you need people to support you through it. Yeah, and I would imagine that that idea of what a best day is might be a shifting thing, you know, and at certain points in a cancer survivorship, a really great day might look like a lot of friends and family and activity and, you know, being Ned perhaps. And other times a really good day might look like brushing your teeth maybe, or, you know, snuggling with um, a kiddo or a puppy on the couch, um, or maybe just sleep at last like and it can be that moving target um I'm thinking I, I kind of want to jump into a question that I was going to ask you a little bit later on but you kind of already touched on it and I'm just wondering you know if you could go back to 2014 I think it was was it 2014 when you were diagnosed yes. yeah yes you know I just wonder if you could go back to die of 2014, you know, in those days, like just after diagnosis, what would you tell her? I think I would tell her to believe in the impossible. Yeah. I, I um, would never have thought here I would be talking to you nine years later. And yet I am. And that's mm -hmm. pretty incredible. It truly is. Um, and I'm so glad that you're telling your story because I, I could be wrong about this and maybe someone will correct me, but I don't think we hear enough inflammatory breast cancer stories. Inflammatory and lobular tend to get a little bit um, 
are largely overshadowed by inductal because that's there's just bigger numbers, you know, for ductal um, breast cancer. But did you had you even heard of inflammatory breast cancer when you were diagnosed? Unfortunately, no. I was misdiagnosed um, from the beginning. I had just had my second daughter and I was breastfeeding and I was told I had mastitis. Um, And it went on for too long without me fighting back. And eventually I learned how to be an advocate for myself with the combination of seeing the right doctor that, that had experience with inflammatory breast cancer. And she said, we have to get you right into a biopsy. And although it was too late to be stage three, which is still considered manageable, um, it spreads and is so aggressive that it was stage four um, just a few months after it presented itself. I think that um, at the time, eight, nine years ago, uh, when I asked why there wasn't more advocacy, education, information out there on inflammatory breast cancer, I was told it was too rare for patients that get inflammatory breast cancer to count. And that, okay. Yes. That, um, (laughs) that gave me the spark to want to advocate, not just for myself, but for everybody else that has been told the same thing. I wanted to help work to get more support and information out there for inflammatory breast cancer, as well as metastatic. They're both were kind of underrepresented at the time. And we're seeing a move forward on the needle of metastatic breast cancer, but inflammatory breast cancer still needs a lot of um, education so that the young women that are getting it, especially after, um, after a while nursing, are aware that infections can be something life-threatening and needs to be mm. um, checked immediately to make sure that it's not inflammatory breast cancer. Absolutely. So this seems like a really good spot to invite you to talk to us about the work that you do and how it came about that that you started a nonprofit in the midst of, you know, managing all of the rest of living with, you know, breast cancer that you have to do. I would say that the impact started on day one, but the energy to do so didn't start until five years later. So I would, I would begin by saying then when I got my final biopsy report that said it was stage four IBC, I'm very grateful to my oncology team that rushed me into treatment because of the aggressiveness of the disease and my biopsy results. On that day, anybody that's been through cancer treatment knows the first day of treatment is slower than normal because they want to make sure you're not responding negatively to anything. At the time, I was an active runner, and I couldn't imagine sitting in a chair for seven hours hooked up to an IV. So I asked them if I could just walk around, and they were like, well, not advisable. And I said, what if a nurse would come with me? Is there a nurse? So we walked around just the floor, the the, um, treatment oncology floor. And as we're walking around, I noticed a sign for integrative oncology. Yeah, a new word in my vocabulary that was um, rapidly increasing with this being diagnosed that morning. And I stopped and I talked to the nurse and I talked to the receptionist about it. And my first thought was, well, it all sounds lovely, 
but I'm not spending even one more minute away from my daughters than I have to. Um, the prognosis for IBC is very short and usually given in months. And um, I was hesitant to commit to anything else but time with my family. Yet the receptionist told me that that day there was a grant to try three acupuncture appointments and um, I could make the appointments and if I didn't feel at the time to do them that I could simply cancel them. So she convinced me to make them and on my first appointment I met the most amazing integrative therapist that spoke to me about what support means as a metastatic breast cancer patient gave me kind of a roadmap um, to how to navigate what I was about to experience. And I remember leaving there, I felt this mix of being empowered, but also incredibly deeply sad that this was the rest of, this was the new reality that I was gonna need these things to simply thrive and survive and it was really lovely. I had three complimentary appointments, but they're expensive. It's a huge um, financial ask um, of your family to have all this support. So I dove in. I did all the integrative oncology that um, my oncologist would allow at the time and um, started feeling really good amongst some of the worst medicines that I had to take. When I say really good, it comes back to April, what you're saying is I felt good enough to get up and brush my teeth. And, um, you know, it's all perspective. I was not getting out there running. Um, but I would say that um, it's through those, that support team of integrative oncology that got me through that first year and then got me through another year. And, I, and it wasn't without it wasn't without trials and tribulations. I mean, NBC has been taking away pieces of me. I would get brain metastases. It would take my hearing. I would get spinal metastases. It would take my ability to walk and I had to rebuild it all um, that was possible to rebuild. I don't think I could have done it without somebody reminding me that there's a light ahead and helping me physically get there and emotionally get there. Yeah, So absolutely. Yeah, so um, one day I was sitting in an infusion pod about a little over four years after my initial treatment and I was listening. At the time I was in a pod that just was separated by curtains and I was listening to some of my fellow NBC patients get treatment and they were talking about some of the under-resourcing and um, underfunding that they were facing to simply even get home that day or to put a healthy meal on the table for their family because they're exhausted. And I wanted to right there, just give them appointments, telling them that like you need to take care of yourself so that you can meet these incredible hurdles that they were facing on top of metastatic disease. So I decided um, to mention it to a few of my friends. And I said, you, I said that simply, when I decided to mention it to a, a few of my friends, I simply said we could make a difference. And with my friends um, that are now the inaugural board member of Roots and Wings, 
took a simple request to help those three women into a very thriving nonprofit today. I'm very proud to say that we've been able to provide complimentary integrative oncology appointments to tens of thousands of MBC patients um, at different wellness centers and hospitals throughout the U.S. That's incredible. I'm I'm just in awe of the work that you're doing. Thank you, April. Yeah, I, I mean, thank you. And just for anyone listening who's not totally clear on what integrative oncology is, I, I understand that it's acupuncture, but what, what else is kind of under that umbrella? Integrative oncology ranges from everything from nutritional counseling to acupuncture, massage, um, energy healing. There's a there's a lot of research going on right now about um, testing the effects of integrative oncology practices, which are supplemental to the oncology experience. So there's a lot of research since day one that acupuncture can take help decrease inflammation. It can help decrease pain. It can help with um, the side effects that a lot of long-term metastatic breast cancer patients endure. Massage can help get out the toxins for your body, but also ease pain and suffering as things like neuropathy in your feet arise or other side effects that really need to be handled with somebody else that, that knows about the oncology experience of metastatic breast cancer and can help support those side effects, as well as nutritional counseling, yoga, healthy mindsets, meditation, other practices that speak beyond just the body, that speak to the mind and the soul and help you um, move better when you have Mm -hmm. troubles moving at all. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it makes me think about um, how much we all deserve palliative care. And there's this really unfortunate view, I think, of palliative care as being part of hospice. But I think everyone diagnosed with cancer deserves the kind of support that you're describing, you know, just to get through treatment or just to get through some of the side effects that come from not only I guess not only the physical side effects, but the mental side effects as well. And everyone needs help to get through that. And, you know, we tend to kind of want our oncologists to be able to provide all that support, but they they have very specific jobs, you know, whether they're, you know, providing radiation or chemical, um, you know, medicine or whatnot. And so we do need help to fill in all the rest of the support. And I'm so glad to know that Roots and Wings is doing that for the metastatic community. So thank you for that. No, thank you, April. Mm-hmm. Well, we um, we don't have very much time left, but I just wanted to kind of bring it back to the writing of your piece. And I wonder if you'll agree with this. Maybe I'll make a bold statement and we'll see what you say. But I think that writing can be part of that integrative palliative approach to living a life past diagnosis. You know, I really think it matters when you find your voice. And um, I, I hope you're okay with me saying this, but I know it took you a long time to find your voice. And and I know that you workshopped this piece with me in, in Firestarters. 
And so I wonder if you can kind of talk about the difference maybe you've had in in telling your story, um, maybe from the beginning when you didn't know how you wanted to tell your story or if you wanted to tell your story to maybe how you feel now that you are being more open about it. I love that question, April, because I feel like you made me a writer and you helped me find my voice, which is just so incredible. I was very um, conservative about my diagnosis in the beginning. It was the information out there is so bleak. I didn't want to tell anybody exactly what I was facing. And so I just kept my narrative to myself. It just, my true narrative to myself, because it just felt safer to me and safer to all the other people that were supporting me and the questions they would have if they knew how aggressive of a disease I was facing. So a lot of the narrative stayed for many years within me and I couldn't find a voice that felt like the right platform to explain what I was experiencing. And I would envy those that could. Um, And one day someone recommended Wildfire to me. I picked up the magazine and not only is it visually stunning, I couldn't believe how vulnerable the women and sometimes men in the the, um, magazine are open about their experience. And it felt so refreshing. And I knew, even though I never considered myself a writer, that I had to experience it. And I found, as you said, it's been part a huge part of my integrative oncology team, I would say, to be a part of Wildfire and writing. Uh, the, first, the first workshop I did on day one, I still have the journal. All I did was doodle and scribble. And I had no words for anything. And I felt overwhelmed. And I, was, I always consider myself more of a visual person than a writer. And then slowly with each prompt, it was like peeling back the layers to finally get to the essence of what I wanted to say. And even if it's never as eloquent as some of the people that have been writing longer or um, have speaking their truth longer or finding the words better, it's so healing for your soul to be able to put them on paper and then also share them with other people like today. It's... Mm -hmm. Actually, and it's been an incredible journey with me since I started with wildfires. So thank you, April. Oh, yeah. Thank you. And I mean, it's just been really um, fulfilling to me personally to get to witness people, like you said, peeling back the layers and starting to bring their story out and feel Mm -hmm. empowered to tell that story. Um, Yeah, it's really incredible, yourself included. So thank you. I know you would... You would never want to call it a therapy group, but it it really has been for me. And I think that um, not only has it kept me mentally strong, it's fulfilled my soul. I love hearing that. And I feel so lucky that I got to do the legacy stories with you this year. Um, It was such an amazing experience. And uh, I feel even more connected to the wildfire community. Mm -hmm. Well, you should, um, because you helped me put together a truly inspiring and hopeful issue, our annual uh, NBC issue. And your issue, I I call it your issue. Your issue is the 2022 (laughs) Legacy Stories. So yeah, thank you so much for that, for supporting Wildfire. 
I want to ask you, um, as we draw to a close here, where people can find you online or more information about Roots and Wings? Roots and Wings lives at rootswingscharitablefoundation.org. We're also on Instagram and Facebook. You can check that out on our website. Um, and my information to con- contact me directly is on the website. And I'm always happy to speak to somebody else who's beginning their integrative oncology journey. Um, it can seem quite overwhelming. You can have a lot of questions um, in the beginning. And when I have time, I will answer anybody that needs a helping hand. I love it. We'll be sure to link to everything in our show notes. Well, thank you again, um, Diana, for being here with me today. Really appreciate you. Thank you, April. I really appreciate you. So today's writer and guest was Diana Keene. Her piece was called Impossible. And um, visually, when you see it, you'll see that the M is crossed out. So it's from impossible to possible. And this was in our 2022 issue of Wildfire called Legacy Stories. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to The Burn. The Burn's a production of Wildfire Magazine, where we share breast cancer stories from young women like you've never read or heard before. We also strive to inspire you to write your story like you've never written it before. Stay to the end for a writing prompt inspired by today's episode. Our producer is Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant is Monica Haro. Want more on the life-changing transformation to be had from telling your breast cancer stories? Visit wildfirecommunity.org to find a copy of the issue shared in today's episode, to find our 40-plus issues in the Wildfire archives, and to take a writing workshop with me. There is no place on the planet like a wildfire writing workshop, and I want you to experience it for yourself. Discover how to write your way back to yourself, write your way to reclaiming your body and your story. And don't forget to subscribe to The Burn and listen to it wherever you go. Here is your writing prompt. The prompt today is a moment of expectation. So I want you to set your timer for eight minutes and write without stopping about a time that you had a strong belief that something would happen or be the case in the future. Maybe this was a waiting room memory or you were waiting on biopsy results or anxiety was creeping in. Maybe you were pregnant and expecting delivery or a friend who was visiting from far away or a college application or job offer or wedding proposal. Where has expectation been a part of your life? What were you expecting? Write what it felt like and what happened next. Write for eight minutes, write without stopping, see what needs to come out and where it will take you. And if you want some more writing prompts from me, I've got lots at wildfirecommunity.org slash free. Lots of downloads there. All right, happy writing. Thanks for listening. Until next time, take good care.